What's going on family? Let's talk about something that's been buzzing in the tech world, AI safety and security. How do you feel about the rapid advancements in AI and the potential risk that it brings? Have you heard of the stories about AI being tricked? It's a real concern, but fear not because there's a real solution, AI Red Teaming. You see, AI Red Teaming is all about stress testing. You see, AI models and deployments to prevent unauthorized access and data leaks. It's about ensuring that your AI can't be tricked into providing information beyond its intended use. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. My friends over at HackerOne has a community of over 750 active hackers specializing in AI security testing. You see, in a recent engagement, just 18 hackers identified over 100 valid findings in just two weeks. That's the power of ethical hackers. Wow. So if you want to ensure the safety and security of your AI deployments, look no further. Head over to HackerOne.com and explore their AI red teaming services. With strategic flexibility, rapid deployment, and a hybrid talent strategy, HackerOne has everyone, everything you need to safeguard your AI. Don't let AI keep you up at night. Visit HackerOne.com today and rest easy knowing that your AI is in safe hands. In terms of your credit, um, you talked about not having a credit score. Yeah. If you get to the point where you pay off all your bills, you can do a loan. Yeah, yeah. You can do a loan. Now, is it difficult? It's not difficult. Okay. You just have to have the criteria. Um, once you get to the point where you don't have a credit score, you just have to have alternative credit. Okay. A light bill, a phone bill, some form of alternative credit for a year and rent of some sort. You can't just be off the grid. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to be human. Yeah. What's happening? No captain. We A.O. About to get a play. Oh, pull up to the table. Let's go. Homeownership is the key to wealth building in America today. A recent study came out and showed us that nearly 65% of Americans actually own their home. Now, this is all of Americans. When it goes down to about 38% of those homeowners are African-American. <laughs> that stat kind of bothers me a little bit. I actually like the fact that, you know, more than half of people in America are actually homeowners. But it does kind of bother me a little bit that um, African-Americans, minorities are not that high. And so I'm really excited today to really have a conversation really around home ownership um, and how you can get into a home today. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things because many of us do aspire to be homeowners. And I want to help you support you and, and get you there, you know, because, listen, I've been a homeowner now for how old am I now? 37. I'll be 38 next month, July 1st. You can send me a birthday gift. We'll talk about that later. Um, um, I've been a homeowner now since 32, 33. I've been making my kind of money for a long time. But I didn't really get into home ownership until I could actually afford not just the mortgage, but the home process. So before we get to today's show and today's guest, I want to really walk through just a couple of things real quick. Number one. When it comes to buying a home, I'm very big on making sure that you are at least consumer debt free. Now, I do budge on a little different things. We're going to talk about those things today. But I do believe that if you can have as much freedom as possible before you get into a home, it sets you up to actually enjoy 
your home. You see, because when you have less debt, you can have a fully funded emergency fund parked inside of your prize pool savings account. And we'll talk about them later on today, too, as well. But the key thing here is how do we set you up to win financially so when you get into your home, you can afford the home and not just a mortgage. You can afford the water bill. I'm running water like crazy with my new side. Um, You can afford the light bill. Good gosh, that is a bill itself. I just got my gas bill for the first time living in this beautiful PG County. And my goodness, you know, Um, and then about a month ago, uh, my AC went out and I had to spend $1,800 to fix my AC. Now, if I could only afford the mortgage, I would be skinnier right now because I'll be sweating and I'll be losing weight. And I don't want you all to get into a beautiful home and struggle. And so I really want you to hear my heart on today's show. Today's show is going to be some very practical things that you can put into place. It's going to be very educational uh, because I I bought a brother that is really, really uh, doing his thing with the company that I love and I support from Churchill Mortgage. Uh, But I really want you to, before we start, write down what is your vision? What is your vision when it comes to home ownership, why do you want to own a home? Is it just so you can say you own a home? Is it just so you can, you know, get the equity? For me, um, it, it's it's a wealth it's a wealth move. It is a wealth move. So a lot of these tips are based on having a mortgage. So today we're going to talk about that. But before we get into it, two quick things. Number one, hit subscribe. Stop dating me. Can you marry me, please? You know, can you rock with your boy? Because we're going some places this year uh, when it comes to really. Uh, stepping up, getting out of debt, building wealth, and really creating uh, something that we can pass down to our kids, kids, kids. And when it comes to home ownership, you got to have, you know, some savings. Okay, you're going to have to put down some money. Um, if you go to FHA route, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of the H- FHA route, y'all know that you're going to need at least what's that 3.5 percent. If you go the conventional route, you don't need five percent to up to 20 percent. I'm a very big fan on the most you can put down, put it down 10 percent, 20 percent, because I want you to get rid of, you know, that private mortgage insurance. And we're going to talk about that today as well. So um, I really want to make sure that you have some savings. So I want you to go to anthonyneal.com forward slash savings. I want you to park your emergency fund and your house fund and your beach fund, ladies, your wig fund. I want you to park all that stuff inside of the savings account. It's 100% free. I ain't letting y'all ladies go in that wig. Y'all came for me on my comment on wigs, and I'm going to keep letting y'all know. I'm going to help you buy some more. Not just wigs, but also some property that you can pass down to your kids to help them buy some of their stuff. So go to anthonyoneal.com forward slash savings so you can start saving towards your dreams and your goals today. So today I have my friends from Churchill Mortgage at the table. We're talking about how to buy a home in today's economy. Man, I'm telling you, it's it's crazy. You're paying over asking price. Um, some of you are losing deals because of cash offers. Um, and some of you are actually nervous to actually buy a home. I get this question asked all the time. Is today a right time to buy? Anthony, I don't really have an active credit score. I don't have any open trade lines. How can I get approved? You say don't have debt. What can I do? Um, you know, how do I sell my home? What I get all these questions. And you know what? I'm a money guy. I am not a licensed professional when it comes to getting you a mortgage. But I know the people who are the best in the world at it. Um, And I will only go through Churchill Mortgage when it comes to my mortgages. And it's not just because I know y'all saying, well, of course, Dave pushes them. And I love Dave. 
but I have a personal relationship uh, with the guy that runs the company now and a personal relationship with several of their loan officers. And so I invited one of them today to the table, man. And so, ladies and gentlemen, get your pens, get your paper, get your notepad out, because we're going to go in. We're going to talk about this thing today. How do we close that wealth gap? How do we become homeowners, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, I don't care. We're going to talk about it today, right here at the table with my friends at Churchill Mortgage, man. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. In man, there. thank you for coming. Uh, I mean, you're right here in my area. Yes, sir. So I was like, cool, great. So how about you tell the people who you are, a little bit about you, and how long you've been in the game, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into some more stuff. Sure, sure. I'm Ray Tate. I've been doing this for 18 years, and I love what I do. Um, you know, I started as a loan officer because I had a really bad experience as mm. a loan officer. Mm. Excuse me, as a, as a my first time as a homeowner. For my real? hand was actually shaking the first time I bought a house. I said, I have to buy a house and it's going to cost $102,500, and I've never seen that much money before. Wow. wow. And at the time, you know, I thought it was invincible. Mm-hmm. I could stay up all night. Mm-hmm. And like, But my hand was shaking. And I think that that fear, at that point in my life, I think that's what most people are experiencing when they, they think about buying a home, and sometimes when they think about buying a second home. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about it. Um, Credit. Yeah. You said down payment. Yeah, yeah. Income. Yeah. These are all things that, you know, nobody talks about when you're growing up, but let me tell you, it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. In terms of preparing, there are steps that we're going to lay out. Um, we're going to start to lay out today. They're going to help you get there. Yeah. In terms of your credit, um, you talked about not having a credit score. Yeah. If you get to the point where you pay off all your bills, you can do a loan. Yeah, yeah. You can do a loan. Now, is it difficult? It's not difficult. Okay. You just have to have the criteria. Um, once you get to the point where you don't have a credit score, you just have to have alternative credit. Okay. A light bill, a phone bill, some form of alternative credit for a year and rent of some sort. You can't just be off the grid. Right. Yeah. You got to be human. Yeah. You got to be doing life. Yeah. I have some people <laughs> call me and it's like, well, I've been living in a box and... I don't have a credit score and I still want a loan. It's like you, you have to have alternative documentation. Yes. If you want to get a credit score, and you excuse me, if you don't have a credit score and you uh-huh. want to get a loan, I'd say just just call ahead of time and say, yeah. let's set it up. Yeah. Um, if you have perfect credit. Yeah. That's fine. If you're in between. Yeah. That's where it makes sense to get some counseling ahead of time from a licensed professional. I'd be glad to help out. OK. All right. If you've had issues with your credit, you want to get ahead of it. Yeah. And there's a couple ways to do it. I talk to people all the time. They say, I'm going through credit repair. That's one way to try and do it. There are some valid issues that come up with credit right. that can be disputed. It can be disputed and yeah. addressed. Yeah. And then there's some companies out there that are, are fugazi and they will try to uh, kung fu issues and get rid of them. And frankly, they still come up during the due diligence process and you can't get a loan. Yeah. There are some things that legally you don't have to pay. Yeah. And um, they may not be an issue. So yeah. sometimes it just makes sense to talk to a licensed professional and find out what's going on. And you may just have to pay them off and pay the piper. Yeah. And yeah. that may just be a matter of coming up with a budget yeah. and addressing the issue. A budget is the number one way to affect your finances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like getting in shape. You need a diet. Yep. You got to exercise. Yep. You need a budget. You need to have a financial plan. Yeah. You need to have your numbers together in terms of your 
your salary and the like or your commission, whatever it is, the way you make your money. Yeah. So a budget is the number one way to address things, whether it's old bills, new bills, getting rid of bills. And people who have a budget are in control. It's yes. about being in control. There you life. go. There you go. Right. I like it. So your credit is a function of your budget, I find, over mm -hmm. time. Your income can increase. You have to be purposeful with your income, yeah. and you can increase your income. You have to be determined, yeah. but you have to have a carrot. And until you talk to a professional, you can't know where you're going to go. Yeah. I talk to people, and they say, well, this is where I'm at. I'm paying rent. I'm, I'm not able to save. What do I need to do? Well, you've got to cut your expenses, right. and at your current income, this is what you're going to be able to do. Yeah. I can help you put together a goal. A licensed professional can help you do that. Yeah. So that combination of figuring out what you need to do with your credit and putting together a plan, it can take time. For some people, they have some major issues. It, it can take, some, a long, a it, little, it can take a long time. Yeah. For some people I talk to, and they have a defeatist attitude up front, and I say, you're ready to go. Wow. All we need to do is just, you know, maybe uh, clean up one thing, and I can help you with it yeah. within a week or two, and you're ready to go. Yeah. Now, let me answer this question. Let's say, do you get the calls where people say, well, I'm paying $1,500 a month in rent. I don't have $500 in my savings account, but I can still afford a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Like, what's, what's your advice to people like that saying, like, hey, I have this money I'm, that I'm paying out every month, mm -hmm. um, and so I want to get a mortgage, but I do not have any savings? I talk to them about the house that I got. Mm -hmm that $102,500 house yeah. and how I was going to be smart yeah. and um, beat the system. Wow. Okay. And it was a three-bedroom, three-bath house, 1812 Kathleen Court. Okay. I moved in. I said, I'm going to stay in one bedroom. And you rented out the other. I rented out the other two. And I had never lived uh, alone. I'd always had roommates, so yeah. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. But um, I was showing the place, and I remember... I hadn't turned the heat on yet. I had fixed the place up, never I mean, turned the air conditioner on. And I was showing the place, and the guy said, why don't you turn the air conditioner on? It's a little hot in here. I said, okay. Turned it on. Showing it around. He's like, it's still a little hot in here. I was like, okay, let me check it. It never came on. Wow. Next day, went to my neighbor. I said, um, man, I was having some problems with the AC, man. I don't know what's going on. He said, let me take a look at it. He was a video game mechanic in the day, and he had an AC business on the side. Okay. He okay. said, let me see your keys. Wow. I'm going to look at it while you're at work. I said, okay. I came back home. He said, I put him one at cost. He shook my hand and said, pay me when you can. People don't do that anymore. That was no. back in 97. They sure don't, yeah. I'd have been stuck, <laughs> right? So you, you can't buy a house with $500 in your account, first off. You can't. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's not like you can't even get an apartment with that anymore, no. right? Because they want... Sometimes they want first month, last month. You, yeah. very, you see very few incentives, yeah. right? So the way it works when you buy a house, as you know, you have to have money for an inspection. Yep. That's probably at least $500. Yep. You have to have money for an appraisal. Yep. That's at least $500. If it works out for that house, that's all you need for that house, possibly, for the evaluation cost. But it may not work out for that house or that house, yep. and that money is burned. You don't yep. get that back. Yep. Um, then you need what's called either in some states— earnest money and other states earnest money and due diligence money yep and it used to be that that could be as little as a thousand dollars and that ain't the case no more no no <laughs> in this market they want a pretty penny to show 
that you are serious about buying a house. Absolutely. And let's say the house is is $300,000. Yeah. And um, because there are multiple bidders, typically, because there's so few housing, there's a shortage of housing. Oh, yeah. They may say, well, for me to take this house off the market, because I have to pay the mortgage, the taxes, the light bill, the AC, everything. Yeah. Uh, well, they put up thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I got four contracts over the weekend. The amount of money that was put up for those four contracts was probably a hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, between those houses. Right. So we're talking about a fair amount of money that you may have to put up. It may only be five thousand dollars. So don't let me scare you away. Right. right. In some situations, it may only be five thousand dollars. Right. It depends on the size of the house. It may only be a thousand dollars in your situation. You may be buying a house from your landlord, from your relative, and it may be nominal. But oftentimes, in a competitive situation, the amount is sizable. So we just have to be realistic and specific about that situation. But oftentimes, that's not enough for the general market in this environment. No, it's not. And not in this environment. Shoot. Uh, But I bought this house, you know, our our friend Craig, I had to put up, I mean, I'll just say it, 20 grand Mm -hmm. just to sit there. And I was just sitting there like, oh, goodness gracious. But thank God I had had the savings. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I I had the reserves. And I didn't even have to go into my emergency fund. I was able to do that because I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was preparing for it. And I like how you said prepare for it. When, when, what are some things that before they call Churchill mortgage? Like some people watching right now say, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm gonna call Churchill. Mm-hmm. What are some things they should have before they even call you? Like, mm-hmm. should they know their, their, should they have the pay stub? Should they know the credit score? Should they pull their credit report? Like, what is, what are the basic things they should have before they get on the phone with you so that way they can be prepared and tell you everything that you need to know? You know, the first thing they need to do is take a breath. Cause I could tell you there's some people watching right now mm-hmm. that are overwhelmed by, by what that little conversation we just had. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they don't need to have any of that. Yeah. Really, what they need to have is an open mind Ooh. and and just um, some patience and maybe some prayer prior to the call. Because, I like, like I said, I was scared when I signed the paperwork. I was scared when I called. I, I was scared about money because y- you could go to a party yeah. and say you did something foul and yeah. people might laugh about it. Right. But if you said you were claiming bankruptcy or you were having problems with money, yeah. people will walk away from you. Yeah. Money is a taboo for most people. It is. It is. It's it's unique that God gave me the ability to talk about money. Right. right. You know? So it's it's something that it's just not something your parents went around the corner and talked about. So you just have to have an open mind and willingness to accomplish the goal yeah. and perseverance to accomplish the goal. Yeah. So I would just say the willingness to work through it and the understanding that it's going to take some time and the knowingness to know that um, the loan officers at Churchill Mm -hmm. are taught to be the hardest working people in the room and to be understanding of your situation. Yeah. Um, And just to know that it's, it's going to be something that no matter what it is, a plan can be put together if you're willing to work on it. That's so good. So let's talk about some of those plans. What are some of the uh, mortgages that are available right now? You got the, FHAs, conventionals, you have those, oh, Jesus, arms. I mean, there's so many different programs out there mm-hmm. and options out there. What are the basic ones right now that Churchill is offering? Okay, so um, so the basic ones, you have conventional, yeah. FHA, okay. USDA, okay. VA, 
Okay. And then we'll say other. And other, okay. Okay, so right. other would include Jumbo, um, what we call QM, yep. and some others. You, there's some unique mortgages where okay. people have unique situations. Those play much less of a role, okay. but they're available for people who have unique situations. Conventional mortgages, you can put down as little as 3%. Yeah, okay, okay. And there are situations where people can put down hardly anything. Wow. I have a lady who, um, oh, not lady, I have, I have some people uh, who, in this competitive market, um, still are able to use down payment assistance programs. Really? It's very, very infrequent, okay. but it's normally in a situation where they know the seller. Mm. And so they have time because if there's multiple offers, the seller is normally like, I'm not going to use a down payment assistance program when I have less complicated offers. Yeah. So you also have other, right? Yeah. But conventional loans okay. have between three percent down yeah. and as much as you want down. As much yeah yeah yeah. But at three percent down you have mortgage insurance. Yep. That can be nominal if your credit score is perfect. Mm. It can be prohibitive if your credit score is under six eighty. If it's under six eighty prohibit and meaning and then let's just say this worst case scenario, let's say your ballpark credit score is a five ninety. Can only do a conventional loan down to six twenty. Six twenty. Unless it's two people and there's a special little new tweak gotcha. where one person can have a lower score sometimes and the other ones can balance it out. Okay. You have to so call me and I'll... Break that down. Break it down. Yeah. Give him a call. Every once in a while, you can work it. We'll link his info. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so let's say they let's say got 630. What could that PMI be? Like, because I, I don't like PMIs. You know that. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I totally get it because, P, I mean, to avoid a PMI, you need to have 20% equity in a home. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of money down, mm-hmm. you know, in this market. If you're buying a house at, let's say, what, let's say in our area, you're not buying a house in, in, in PG County for less than $400,000. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money down. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so that PMI on a 630, what's that, about $100 per $100,000? Oh. It's more? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could be, it's prohibitive. That's the thing. <laughs> you, and that's where you would look at an, an, the next type of loan, an FHA loan. Okay. Where you can put down as little as 3.5% to as much as you want. The thing is with FHA, you pay mortgage insurance on a monthly basis and upfront. Yes. You pay upfront 1.75% right. no matter what. No matter what. And you pay monthly 0.85% no matter what for at least 11 years if you put down 10%. And for the life of the loan, life. Yeah. no matter what. It's a percentage of the amount of the loan. Yeah. So 0.85% annually. So um, on a $100,000 loan, you're talking about $83 a month initially, and it goes down. And which is why I actually prefer, Would you, as a loan officer, would you prefer conventional over F- F- FHA? Conventional you have to do in competitive situations, and yes, I prefer conventional because of the mortgage insurance. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. All right. And so one thing I learned from uh, Craig, my loan officer, was um, there is a difference between, could you mention in the other, like jumbo loan. Once you go past the city's or the county's limit, correct, that rolls into a jumbo loan. Correct. But every county has different limits. Correct. That is so. Can you break that down for us? Because to me, I'm like, what? Because we were looking at PG County, mm-hmm. Howard County, mm-hmm. and then another county where the school district was real good. Mm-hmm. 
But PG County had the highest amount that I could borrow. Mm-hmm. And at other Howard, it, it was it was less. And I was like, wait, that makes no sense. It actually does. It so does. It's based on what's called MSA, Metropolitan Statistical Area. Okay. So Prince George's County uh-huh. and the surrounding counties to a metropolitan area. In this case, Washington, D.C., but you look at Los Angeles yep. and the surrounding counties, Houston and surrounding counties, Chicago. Yep. Yep. Those surrounding counties make up what's called a metropolitan statistical area. Okay. And it's based upon the incomes from the uh, statistics from the um, um, sampling annual st- census, uh, census data. And so they update the inf- that information periodically, and then they come up with the periodic loan limits and they map it back. Yeah. In Baltimore's metropolitan statistical area, right. the numbers are different. Yeah. Because yeah. the incomes are different. Incomes are. Howard County's is a little bit different, as you mentioned. Yeah. That being said, that's what determines those county loan limits. But there is a national number, and exactly. then it kind of maps back off of county. that as well. Which is why it's very important for people to give you a call. Exactly. Because it's like, I didn't know that moving. I didn't know that. Like, I, I didn't, for some odd reason, I'm the money guy. I'll be honest. The and numbers change, too. And that's the thing. They change periodically. They, ch- they can change year to year. And they change. You're absolutely right. Because right when I was getting my loan for this house, it was about to change, like, in a month. And he was like, well, you might be able to get a little bit more, Anthony, but you got to wait another month. And I was like, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I got to move. <laughs> so this this is, who is citizen, y'all. This this is why I bought right to the table and Churchill, uh, because these are people. One thing I love about them is they have a teaching um, uh, method. So, of, of course, they're going to make money off of helping you get into a mortgage. But what I love about them is they're going to educate you along the process. To this day, Craig, what up, Craig, uh, still reaches out to me, still gives me information, t- still is teaching me. After I close, he saw something on my house on a contract. He said, hey, I'm going to give you a heads up, ABC. I'm like, okay, that's what's up, man. I appreciate you. And he's giving, he's educating me. This is why. No disrespect to the other companies out there. But I mean this, they, they can't compete with Churchill because they have a heart of a teacher, um, which I learned that from my, my friend and mentor, Dave Ramsey. Um, they're going to take real good care of you. And also, they're going to assist you. They're going to walk with you the entire process. So if you're thinking about getting a mortgage today, tomorrow, uh, in the fall, next year, go to anthonyoneal.com forward slash Church Hill. We're going to drop the information in in the show notes and start the conversation with your rep. They're in all the states, you know, so give them a call. They'll take good care of you. Tell them that Anthony O'Neill sent you and they will definitely take good care of you. And if they don't, yo, email me. Email me and my team. You know, I, 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 I know some big people over there. We can make a phone call. We can make a good phone call that will help you out. Trust me. Uh, but I know you won't give me that email. I know you're not going to send me that because um, like I said, I haven't had not one issue. They've saved me money. Um, they've educated me and said, hey, don't do this in this area because this is not good. We need to go a different area. And so and they don't rush you. You know, They're, they want to put you into a home that you can afford, that you will enjoy. And I love that. So go to anthonyneal.com forward slash Churchill. The number one question Ram, I'm asked is, is now a good time to buy? It's a good. It's a great question. That's the number one it's question. A great question, and that's the number one question I get because people are scared. Because when you look at um, 
it was in the morning before I worked out the other day. I was looking at an article on Yahoo, and it was um, the markets are overheating, and they were rehashing another article from Florida Atlantic University mm. that looked at the top 100 markets in the country, and the data said from the three authors that uh, the markets were overheated in comparison to their historical numbers, but they also went on to say that because of the shortage in housing, essentially it was okay yeah. from what I could gather. But the headline was scary. There was another article I saw, it was also on Yahoo, that said that prices were going down next year. Yeah. But then when I read the underlying article, it actually said that appreciation would go from 18% to 15%. Mm. So I said, what's going on? Why are things so scary? Yeah. Um, I think headlines grab attention. Yeah. And um, when people call me and, and they have that fear, it's because it does take a lot to buy a house, mm -hmm. and it's, it's easier to rent. But it's very important first, before you say is now a good time, to say back on what you said, the why. I think it's important to know that if you don't buy a house now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you may be paying someone's mortgage forever, and your kids' kids may be paying a mortgage forever. You don't buy a house if it's not the right time. Right. It's like you said, if you have $500 in your bank, you don't rush out and do it. Right. Because the worst thing you can do is buy a house yeah. Yeah. and fail. That's it. I, and just, just as an aside to support this, yeah. Um, my trainer um, at the boxing gym, he asked me to do a career day. I came out and did a career day. Little little uh, Hispanic girl was like, um, hey, you know, um, my parents' house was foreclosed on. Mm. Can you tell me about that? Mm. I'm like, this little girl's sixth grade. Sixth grade? Yeah. I was like, my job is serious. Wow. You can't play around in my job. Yeah. You, you cannot give a bad mortgage to somebody. Right, right, right. If you're a loan officer, it's a very serious job. Absolutely, absolutely. So people, people are right to have reverence and respect for moving forward. Yeah. And to do it properly, yeah. as you've mentioned before on the show. Yeah. And we're saying when it comes to uh, saving up and having a budget yeah. and doing it properly. Yeah. But if you don't, yeah. Yeah. you're in trouble because rent is going to go up. Absolutely. Rates are going to go up. Yeah. Values are going to go up. Yeah. The baby boomers were the largest population segment in the history of America. 8.5 million people. Mm. That's my parents' generation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Generation X. Yeah. My spouse is a, gener is a millennial. Okay. 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 You've got Generation Y and Generation Z. That's, that's your generation. That's your yeah. people, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're consuming housing at an alarming rate. For the next five to six years, the data says there's not enough housing. They for that generation. For, for, generation for, for America. Five, right? But that generation is, is driving the housing consumption market. of housing wow. with great, with, with great, uh, in a great amount. Right. That being said, um, you know, the houses stopped being built during the Great Depression, is what I call it, in 2008. Yeah. Um, housing, slow, uh, building slowed down during COVID. Yeah. And they said there, from the data that I've seen, there's not going to be enough housing for 
a period of time. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good time to buy a house. That house I bought in 1997 was a seven and a quarter. Okay. Um, you know, I did well. I made 30000 off of that house. Yeah, yeah. The next house I bought in D.C., I made uh, over a quarter million dollars. Ooh. I bought and sold uh, 13 houses since then. Yeah. Um, most of them right here in this, in this area. Yeah. And um, I've done well on the house I own now. That being said, I think when you come from the lowest point and you hear all this negative news and you don't have that information, people are like, well, why? I think you have to look at the fact that if your rent is $1,800 and you know that you're getting a deal and if you were to go back out and somehow you have that good of a deal and your rent is going to be $2,500 if you have to re-up, you have to start scratching your head and saying, if the market rent is that high and I have this deal, I have to be concerned and I have to lock in. When you lock in on your rate, no matter what it is, you lock in on that principal and interest, you're essentially fixing a part of your housing payment. Wow. Same thing. Taxes, they go up, yep. but they typically, typically don't skyrocket. They right. go up in turn. And you can even limit the amount that they increase. Okay. At the same time, your insurance, it goes up, but it yeah. typically doesn't increase okay. uh, with, um, drastically. And um, that being said, you're limiting the increase in your housing cost over time. Gotcha. It's important. Yeah. At the same time, you're paying down the principal as the value of your house goes up. Again, scarcity in housing, that yeah. value goes up. You're building wealth at the same time. That's so good. Generational wealth. Yeah. 65% of Americans own houses. 38% yeah. of African Americans own houses. Yeah. That wealth that's built from that is key. key. The wealth gap paces that 65% and 38% yeah. as well. Yeah. So in terms of building wealth, that's key as well. It, it's, it's a cost, but it can be a blessing. Yeah. So you have to look at the motivation that goes behind it. It's a great time to buy if you're prepared, okay. but you have to work for it. Yeah. Now, now, now let, let's stay right there because you're talking about great time to buy if you're prepared. I think, I think a lot of my people are prepared um, one, they're going to be giving Churchill a call, right? But I think they're fearful because in this market, I went through a bidding war. Mm -hmm. And so what what are some things that Churchill is doing to help their buyers go into this market being a good competitive as far as in being a solid buyer? Because I, I think y'all came out with something after me and I was a little, a little disappointed that I didn't get that love. It was after me, but um, it was after I closed my house. But you all are, are, are incorporating some new things to send them out there with something to when they do present to the seller, it makes them just as competitive as a cash buyer. Yeah. yeah. What are some of those things y'all are putting into place? Yeah, that's a good point because the market is always changing. We always have to stay competitive. You yeah, always yeah. have to come up with something new. Yeah. Or, uh, or you get left behind. Yeah. And um, we've always had our certified homebuyer program. Now, what's that? Because what's the difference? When, when people hear me say that, well, Churchill gets a certified homebuyer program, what for, what's the difference between Churchill's, you know, certified homebuyer's pre-approval and then a pre-approval from XYZ Bank? That's a good point. There are three levels of pre-approval. So people will call me and say, well, I want to get pre-approved because okay. that's what my realtor said to do. Right. Um. There are three levels of pre-approval. Okay. You call loan officer, they run your credit, yep. and they say, what's your income? Tell me about how much money you have. That's called being pre-qualified. That's not worth the paper it's written on. <laughs> 
right? That doesn't really do much. Right. It's just essentially a letter to say, this is what I think you can do. Yeah. Nobody generally is going to let you buy a house with that because there's a lot of due diligence that needs to be performed and you still need to go through underwriting. Yeah. The second level is being pre-approved. Okay. When you get pre-approved, you get the qualification with the loan officer, with the application, either over the phone, internet, however that happens. But then you provide documentation, pay stubs, W-2s, tax returns, bank statements, and the like to back up that application with okay. specificity and detail. Right? Okay. Then the loan officer takes that file, runs it through automated systems, does back checks, talks to underwriters, but does research and actually approves your file. Right. Typically. Typically. Some loan officers don't. Do all that. They don't even do all that. Yeah, yeah. And then you're pre-approved. Okay. That allows you to shop. And then when you go and shop, what normally happens is if you're buying a house, the realtor for the seller will call and ask the loan officer what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Did you actually review this information? Or the loan officer is proactive about it. Then there's the third level. Okay. Because when you're actually getting your house... You go through the process. They do a full body search financially, right? Yep, yep, Remember that? Yep. And then you get what's called a loan commitment. Oh, yeah. That's when the underwriter does everything. All those reports are done. Yep. That loan commitment, that process where you go through underwriting, we do that up front because I remember I used to work at a, at a mortgage company, and we were across from a, a realtor's office, and, every, you know, people... I've seen people show up and it's like what what's going on with my what's going on with my house right you know right, right. it doesn't even make sense mm-hmm. like you you have to let people know what's going on and the secret of the mortgage industry is that pre-approval no loan officer can do the due diligence ahead of time you you know and remember you're putting up the the appraisal money, yep. the inspection money, yep. the due diligence money. And if you read the letter, it says, if a pink elephant walks down the sidewalk, we can we can say no. Yeah. So we just said that's not the right way to do business. You you know, let's take people through underwriting wow. and get it figured out despite the extra cost. Right. And go ahead and get you approved subject to an address up until a certain amount. Yep. And We'll call it our certified home buyer program, but that's the third level of uh, pre-approval where you are approved with a to-be-determined address. Okay, gotcha. so that's the third and highest level, gotcha. and that makes the most sense from a stress standpoint. When you buy the house, remember you got the steps, and just imagine you're walking up a step for each one of these. You go out, you find the house, you put in the offer, it gets accepted. Step two, you get the inspection done, right? Yep. Step three, you get the appraisal done. Step four. You get your loan done. Step five, you're going to closing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're doing the loan. Mm. And you got to go and get stuff out the shoebox. Mm. And you got to call three old employers and get all this stuff. Mm. And you got to get the moving truck. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to call and cancel this and get that and get stuff out of storage. Right. And you got to it's, yeah. it's change schools and you're doing all that at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's too many life events, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then you throw in a vacation in there and it's like, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people hate it. People call me like, I hate moving. That's doing a mor- they say doing a mortgage is the problem. Buying a house is the problem. Yeah, exactly. So the idea is 
get it done ahead of time. No, honestly. So that's that's our process. And how long does it take you all to give the certified pre-approval? It didn't take me long. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but how long, if someone was to call in today and talk to someone, um, a rep in their particular area, how long could they have, uh, how, how long would it take them to get a certified pre-approval? It can take as little as three weeks. Okay. It can take as little, the, the, so it takes longer to do that than it would to get a loan done. Yes. Because there's so many people trying to do the program and in, just in terms of resources. So it could take as long as three weeks if you do what you're supposed right. to do. What information do they need? So what what are the things that Churchill would ask them for, um, for a certified pre-approval? So it's going to be the same information they need in order to get a loan. Okay. Normally what happens, it's specific to the situation. So if someone's self-employed, yeah. it can be extensive, Oof. you know, tax returns. And so what would I need now that I'm self-employed? Oh, for you, it's going to be tax returns, profit and loss, balance okay. sheet, okay. Um, business assets yeah. and the like. Yeah. Um, we're going to order your... Um, transcripts for your business and the like. So it's oh, it's involved. It's involved. So it's harder as a self-employed person than it is a W-2. I won't say it's harder. It's different. It's relative. I mean, it's just what you have to do. Mm. And the fact is, when you talk about those loans and also, um, you know, USDA loans, they're all loans yeah. that the government is putting out there. Wow. And right now, that's most of the loans yeah. that are out there besides those other loans, okay. which are a very small percentage. Okay. And that's because basically the private money hasn't come back into the market. That's going to change. Here's some. But right now, the government is the business. And the government's like, our money, good documentation. We're not going to have another issue like we did back in 2008. Right. Right. That makes sense. If you get a loan right now, anybody's out there to get a loan right now, you know. Yeah. You can prove you got the money. <laughs> right? <laughs> ain't going to be no yeah, ain't gonna fake be no loans. loans. No. <laughs> right? No, man. Okay. All right. So we got the certified pre-approval. What else is Churchill bringing to the table? Okay. So a couple things. After you get done, we're right. like, all right, you, you went through the trouble of doing this. Right. We'll lock your rate for 90 days. Oh, wow. Some of them are just doing 30. It's for 90 days. Now, it's for 90 days. It's not going to, if the, if the standard rate is 0%. Right. It'll be at a half a percent. So it's it's a little bit higher rate. But here's the thing. The Federal Reserve, now, they don't affect um, mortgage rates, but the Federal Reserve has come out and said that they're going to increase the prime rate. Yes. But they've also said that they're going to unwind all this money that they spent during the coronavirus to buy debt. Eight trillion dollars. It's a little bit of money. Trillion dollars. It is, yeah, it's a little bit of money. It, and and also, um, inflation isn't expected to increase just because of uh, yeah. the way the numbers are. Yeah. That being said, um, through most of the year, I expect interest rates to yeah. increase. That may that may back off. Yeah. But again, over the long term, I don't think it matters because I think rates are headed up. Yeah. And the most important thing is affordability for you. Yes. All right? Yeah. So, but we'll lock your rate. Yeah. So if rates go up, you're good. You're good. For 90 days. And you get the best of both worlds. If the rate's lower, whatever the market rate is, or if rates drop, you still get that. Oh, so... It's just a hedge. It's just a hedge. So you can't go over this, but if it goes down, you will get that. Yeah. Or the market rate is lower, you get it. If it goes down, whatever it is, you get the best of both worlds. Okay. All right? Um, Three... Seller guarantee. So we did all this work to underwrite things. This is what I missed out on. Seller yeah. guarantee. The seller guarantee. We put in your offer. Okay. Right. Certified home buyer. 
Because um, what happens if the perfect house comes out? Yep. Everybody wants it. Everybody. They, look, they were like, "Ooh, look at those pictures! Ooh, everybody! Oh, look, they got Hashitashi! Yeah, look at that! I got, ooh, look, yes. this is perfect! Yeah, oh, we're gonna bid! Yeah, and it becomes a bidding war. And if you're the same as everybody else, yep. one with that, I didn't, I didn't mention this, but with that certified home buyer, when you have a loan commitment, it's strong to send a loan commitment, but it's also a matter of you can get the loan closed quicker. Yes, because you don't have to do all that due diligence. Right. The seller has confidence. They're not going to have to make as many mortgage payments, as many tax payments. Yep. And they can move quicker because oftentimes that seller is trying to move up and buy another property and they need that money. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. yeah. theirs is contingent or they need that money in order to buy another house. Right. So knowing that, they want to move quicker. But we also say, hey, if we mess up, we'll give you $5,000. Yep. That's so solid. That's strong. That's right? solid. So they're like, buy do it quicker. All right, $5,000. Okay. If something happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll take care of the average person's mortgage payment and utilities for the month. Yeah. If they got to put it back in the market, they got a free month right yeah. there. Yeah. And, and you know, we were talking about it earlier. We talked about conventional loans. We talked about FHA loans, which yeah. oftentimes are a loan of exception for when people have situations. So uh, one thing people ask me about, are, we talked about credit a little bit, mm -hmm. coming off of a bankruptcy, mm. two years some people in bankruptcy I've done loans for, but that's that's another situation, certain types of bankruptcy. Um, but, you know, normally, you know, that's just a phone call to talk through. Yeah. Foreclosure, three years. Um, then you have VA loans, you know, for veterans. Yeah. Now, everybody, I've heard different opinions on this. If you are a veteran and you have a disability designation, yeah. you don't have to pay that big funding fee. Right, right. You don't have to pay that big funding fee. Right. And then it becomes a very good loan. It does. And I talk to veterans, and they'll put the money down. Yeah. Um, in competitive situations, sometimes they're a better loan because there are people who want to give loans to veterans, and they'll pick a loan from a veteran over other loans. Wow. Occasionally. Right. I, I had that. I got beat by a loan the other day. For a veteran. No. They were a veteran. Right. And my people weren't. I was like... Well, okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Disappointed, but okay. Um, and then we talked about metropolitan statistical areas. Yep, yep. Some places are further out, and they're in rural areas. Yeah. And the government has what's called a USDA loan, which is set up for rural areas to spur rural development. So Mike was telling me about that when I lived in Nashville, because I could have went past the city called Columbia, and he said, man, you will get so much of assistance if mm -hmm. you do that. Mm -hmm. So there you don't have to put any money down, and the right. idea is to, and the rate is low, and there is mortgage insurance, but up front, it's comparatively nominal, and monthly, it's comparatively nominal. It's 1% up front and 0.35% monthly for the life of the loan in wow. comparison to FHA, but um, there are limits with that one, but it's it's used frequently in rural areas. But again, it's competitive in rural areas too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's there's not enough housing right now. No, it's, there's not. It's not. But every situation is specific. In some areas, it's not as competitive, and we just need to have licensed professionals talk to you and help you out. I find that's what's best is to 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 really get help and to get education. Yes. And to to really um, set a goal, set a plan, yeah. and then work towards it. Yeah. Let me ask you this quick question real quick, then I get back to some more. This one just hit me because um, one of my um, 
my uncle passed away a couple of years ago. And when he passed away, he had a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have insurance, mm-hmm. life insurance. And the wife lost a home. Mm. And the kids had to move into an apartment. What's your thoughts on, as a loan um, agent, once you get people into the home, what's your thoughts on them upping their life insurance or getting an insurance policy to protect their home? Do y'all even have, do you even have that conversation with your, your, your clients? I do. Wow. I do. Um, Talking about death is not something that we do, right? It's just like, no, we don't talk about that. We don't want to. Ugh. Some people are cringing right now, man. Yeah, like, mm-mm, mm-mm, uh, talk about that. I'm going to be alive forever. No, I'm like, we're not talking about no funeral. Because right. how, many, how many people you know died and they talk about GoFundMe? <sighs> Somebody famous that just passed that is, too soon. Yes. And you were like, what? Yo. And, and so, you know, when that happens, you're always like, life insurance is a tool to build generational wealth and it's not that expensive. So let me, let me share a personal story. Yeah. Um, my mother-in-law mm-hmm. pushed me to get life insurance and um, I was like, yeah. will you leave me alone? Right, right, right. And this was for a minute, wow. right? And uh, this was, this is, it was after the death, um, the birth of my first child but um, I was weirded out. Mm. But I can tell you, after I got that life insurance, I slept better. Absolutely. After I, I got the, the vehicle to aim that life insurance, um, I slept better. Yeah. I will. Um, if you leave that burden, mm. shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you because it is heavy. Yeah. Um, when you get a mortgage, you qualify with two people. Yeah. If you leave that for one person to carry, shame on you. When when you take your vows, mm, you're going deeper. Look, when I when I was getting married, uh, we did this book, Five Hundred Questions to Ask Your Spouse Before You Get Married. I've heard of that book. And I was looking um, at one of your old shows. I think you know you 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 hit hit a number of those questions mm-hmm. in depth. But man, you you go into that walk together, and I it's like you, you have to plan things out. You go to funerals, and I'm sure you've been to funerals. You'd be like, this is not what that person would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I may plan out my funeral. Oh, it's in my will already. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, that's the next thing. Like, I, I don't want to have a whole bunch of other people planning stuff. <laughs> that, I want. that being said, this is something major and simple. Absolutely. And the life insurance is not that much. It's not. It's not. And, yeah. and, and here's what I'm going to tell you. You all younger, get it while you're young because it's cheaper now. Right. Get it while he's, Dave Ramsey talks about term life insurance. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony, get it while you're younger. Yep. Um, for me, I, I had a really good um, plan put together. They use something called laddering, mm-hmm. where they um, they gave it in uh, increments of uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 
years yep. as I built wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yep. One of the things I do, I, I and my people know, you guys know me. I I teach uh, term life insurance. Got that from Dave. Not a whole life insurance policy uh, um, fan. I don't I don't knock it. I, I, I've learned in my season, I'm, I'm not a multimillionaire, so I can't knock certain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I stay within my lane. And I just teach what I believe in what works for me. And I have a term life insurance policy. It's 10 times my average annual income. Um, and I have enough in there to where if I was to pass, my home would be taken care of, my family would be taken care of. And not just that being taken care of, but then also part of that will go to my kids whenever they turn 18, if I have kids by that time. If not, then it will go to like my family. And you're right, man. I, I use Ethos, um, and I'll put their information below you guys because Ethos is very—they're very affordable. And I mean, for a million-dollar policy, you could be spending like forty, thirty dollars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if that, depending on how young you are. If you're in your twenties right now, psh, man, I wish I could go back to my twenties and and do that because I could have got a ten or fifteen year and then changed it up. And but because I just got with Ethos. I've had term life insurance before Ethos. When I got to Ethos, I pay a little bit more, but it's it's very affordable to know that if something was to happen, at least my family won't have to encounter any expenses. Whenever I get married, whenever I have kids, my family will not. It, it won't. And here's the thing. I think I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make some people upset when I say this. This is not. Churchill, this is me. Black people, we got to stop thinking the only way to wealth building is life insurance. That's a that's a part of wealth building. Okay, you still got to live below your means, work, build, invest. Uh, don't just say you know I'm gonna just buy this policy and just live crazily, and then if something happens, my kids will get all this money. No, that's the life insurance is the icing on my cake that I'm leaving to my family. Life insurance is something to where if I was to pass. It's not going to touch my stocks. It's not going to touch my investments. It's not going to touch my income. That will take care of all the mandatory bills, give my kids some cushion, and still be able to have peace and joy. So I'm going to drop uh, Ethos um, uh, information in show description. Y'all go check them out. It's anthonyreal.com forward slash Ethos. Check it out. He said something that was so crucial. Man, I never thought about that. Man, you made a vow. You know, you made a vow to love, to take care of this person. I think one of the greatest ways to extend your love is thinking about them after you're gone. So so please check them out. I, I got this question. So I got two more, two more. Yeah, I got two more questions for you. What's the difference between a mortgage broker and a mortgage lender? That's a good question. Because it's like, yeah, I'm a mortgage broker. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I'm a mortgage lender. Okay, wait. What's the difference between you two? And who should we go to? It's a good question. So mortgage um, mortgage lenders lend their own money. Mortgage lenders lend their own money. And a lot of it um, kind of backs up into an additional question because I think in terms of trust, the, the call that I get initially is um, do you lend your own money? Mm. And and the answer is yes. Yeah. And then the next question is, do you service your own loans? Mm. And we we do now. Mm-hmm. We didn't always. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't service all of our own loans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're very very transparent about that. Um, but the industry that's not the that's not the charge in the industry these days. It's mm-hmm. all about saving cost, and um, it's typical in the industry that your your loan is so, but the terms remain the same. Same. Yep. Um, you have what's called a mortgage note that basically says, 
if I lent my cousin $10,000, I would want to write it down. Mm-hmm. And if my cousin died um, and he had life insurance, I would get paid, yeah. you know, off the terms of that note. Right. So the same is true in the mortgage business. The terms stay the same even if uh, there's something that needs to be addressed with another uh, servicer. So that being said, um, the question often is, do you service your own loans with that? A mortgage broker, Mm -hmm. they don't lend their own money. Mm -hmm. Churchill can actually act as a mortgage broker. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there'll be unique loans Mm -hmm. that somebody wants done. I can broker a loan if it needs to be done. If someone has a situation where um, there's a one-off situation or um, sometimes I'll check pricing and somebody will have essentially a sale. Yeah. And I'll say, listen, here's where we're at. Um, we're, some, we're typically some of the lowest in the country, but overall value, this is what we offer. We talked about our offering. And um, my big thing is we do what we do. Yeah. We do it well. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, there's a niche that somebody else can fulfill. Yeah. We can broker. We can broker it. Yeah. And y'all, do y'all still make good money on y'all side? And we're brokering it? Um, so we don't charge anymore. You don't charge anymore mm-hmm. to broker that, it? So I told you, so Mike Hardwick. Yeah. Um, That's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part of why I was attracted to Churchill, I just felt like Mike was not trying to be a, a, a businessman so much as he was trying to be a provider. Yeah. Because the thing that he told me was you just charge a fair price and you make sure that your costs are in line mm-hmm. and you always charge the same number. And that's, that's Churchill's policy. That is. And there are some companies where that's not the case. Yeah. Churchill always charges the same number no matter what. Yeah. Um, and that's the way it is. Yeah, and, and my, my that's and that's one reason why I I partner with you all because of my relationship with Mike. Um, what's his correct title? The Chief Operating Officer. Yes. Yeah. So the CEO of the company, who pretty much runs the company. I worked out with him for two years and really didn't know who he was because he's such a down to earth, good, God fearing mm-hmm. person. I got this old. Not old, an older white guy in the gym, and I'm working out with him, and he's outrunning me, outlifting me. Matt Clark, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And and I'm just like, man, like, Matt, bro, who? And it's just, it's just the, 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 the heart that comes from the top all the way down from, from Matt. And then when I was living in Nashville, uh, Brown, and then uh, Craig here. And then meeting you, I'm just like the whole family at Churchill, everyone's just good people. Everyone has a good heart, a loving spirit, and y'all just want to see us win, you know? And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I mean, so from the top down to even the owner of the company, I've met him a couple of times because him and Dave are are real close friends. And I'm like, he's even real close. I'm like, I love Churchill. Do you you know the backstory behind that, how they met? Who? Mike. And, and uh, Dave. And Dave? No, no, I don't. So Mike's dad okay. is one of the first megachurch pastors in the country. He started megachurch at, uh, well, the church was started when he was like 17. Gotcha. And, um, you know, that's where Mike gets his spirit from. But that's Dave's pastor. Ah. 
And then when Dave started, uh, Dave Ramsey started his his classes, yeah. and he was like, I'm going to start a radio show, and you're going to be my first advertiser with your mortgage company. That's, that's how things <laughs> that's started. That's how things started. Yeah. I never asked Dave that. I mean, because that was their relationship, and I just, you know, didn't want to be like, hey, this... But I mean, it, it it all makes sense. That's how they started. It really does all make sense. And my relationship was with Matt Clark, um, the COO, and I'm just I just love him, and that's how we got on this this partnership. Um, here, here's the last question that I really want to make sure that I, I I ask, because I think a lot of people watching right now are like, all right, cool, I, I'm I'm gonna look up Churchill. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to see what do I need to put into place to be competitive one in this market. Or two, I may have some credit issues. I'm going to give you all a call. Mm -hmm. But what are some mistakes that you see first-time home buyers making? Mm -hmm. Because I think I have a lot of first-time home buyers who are watching this show who are saying, yo, I've never purchased a home. Um, But I've seen a lot of them make some mistakes. I think one of the biggest mistakes they can make is not go through Churchill. Because here's why I say that. I remember when I went for my first home, I was going through, I, re- I reached out to another agent. Um, and that agent sent me through a bank, a national bank. And I almost went with them because they promised me a free refrigerator, free this, free that, and just gave me a pre-approval. Mm. Here's why I didn't go with them. It's because when I asked the bank and the agent at that time, just some ex- extra questions, Oh, don't worry about that. We'll take care of it. They didn't answer the question and give me the education. And so I was like, well, I feel like y'all are just, I don't, I feel like I'm just another number. I feel like I'm just another person that you're going to sell me, uh, just sell me a house to and don't really educate me on something. And at the time I was with Dave. So I was like, no, I I need a heart of an educator. And so then I looked up um, another agent, got my boy, Brian. And he took care of me, started educating me, and then he connected me to Churchill. Ramsey connected me to Churchill. And I was like, okay, great. And then I started learning a whole lot throughout the process. But I think first-time home buyers are looking for their – they don't have the correct information to know to look look for the heart of a teacher. But what are some other things that you're seeing in a first-time home buyer is making some mistakes in? Um, I think that just because – there's so much emphasis on um, pushing people to buy a home. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people that just kind of get pushed through the mill. Yeah, I get a lot of calls um, just for people that have started with someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's atrocious yeah. how far you can get into the home buying process. When you're not qualified. So like I said, you put up all this money and unfortunately you didn't qualify. From the beginning. Yeah. So that's one part. But then then imagine, let's say you do qualify and you're at the very, very, very edge. Yeah. When you're at the very, very, very edge and like you said, you you get in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Trying to hang on by luck, there's a chance you may you may pray and make it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a science to home ownership. There's mm-hmm. an art to it. Mm-hmm. I've been there. The reason why I was scared, yeah, is because you know you, you could fail. Yeah. I will do my best. I I look at it as a privilege to help people with this because 
I know I had a bad experience and I harnessed that bad experience. And at Churchill, we're taught to show you the upfront cost and the monthly cost. We have some really good tools to take you through that. Absolutely. We're also taught to, to really, to help you, like you said, to have a heart of a teacher. Yeah. But as well, just to, to give reasonable advice to help you see that it's important to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And what is the what's the name of the app y'all use? Because when mortgage, I was purchasing, huh? Mortgage Coach. Mortgage Coach. Yes. Craig sent me a. Every, here are all of your options. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, it's down to the first payment all the way down to my last payment. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You can do this option, that option, this option." And he even gave me options that he know I would never even consider. But he was like, "I want to let you know here are all of your options of what we could do." And I was like, "Wow!" Like. So y'all just didn't put me into the best option that can make the company money. You are saying, hey, what option works best for you? And he even said, with your income, with the projected income, I think this is the best option for you, Anthony. But we're going to let you make that decision. You have to get choices. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's, I love, (laughs) I love it. I mean, I'm just sitting here, like, I get excited thinking about it because I want to buy another property. I was telling you that before this. And, you know, I want to get like a nice little condo because I don't do cold here. I mean, y'all, this D.C. is cold. It snows here. And he's black, but I'm a different kind of black. I don't I don't do I don't shoveling snow like, but I moved here January. Yeah. End of January. I'm shoveling snow day two. You got to get a snowblower, man. Man, listen, I, I, I didn't know I needed one. <laughs> So I'm out there with no gloves on, and I don't have no snow clothes. I'm in my tennis shoes, bro. I'm in my Nikes. Mm. And my dog is like, what in the world? And she loves me. She was, uh-uh, mm-mm. Mm. She was in a house. I'm out there shoveling, shoveling. And I'm shaking. And my neighbors are sitting there laughing at me. They got their, 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 their I was like this. And, man, I got not even a quarter of my driveway. I said, bump this. I'm just going to have ice. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed in the house for like two days, waiting for that thing to melt. Because yeah. I was like, yo, this is different from Nashville. So before I lived in Nashville. We got snow once a year, but it really wasn't like that no, bad. It's gone. Right? It, it's like, and if it snowed in Nashville, we shut down. Yeah. It's it's a, oh, we're not going to work. None of that. And then before Nashville, I was in Florida. Then Florida, I was in Cali. So yeah. I'm like, I ain't used to snow. No. You know, I'm yeah. like... This this ain't the law. This so is real. I said, so you know what? Come December and January, I'm going home. I'm going to Cali. Yeah. Um, and, and I said, I already say, I'm laughing because it's like, hey, you guys, even right before the show, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to where if I want to get into investment properties? What do I need to do if I want to get, you know, a second home? Um, and uh, he was answering the questions. Um, their whole team has been answering the questions, sending me emails. Hey, Anthony, we'll need this. We're going to need that. Because, you know, I, I love... I just love the heart, 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 heart of you all. Um, well, you know what? You bring up a good point. Those are some questions people are going to ask for another time. Mm. Investment properties. I, that's something I'm getting a lot of. Are those hard to get? No. No. Does Churchill do uh, investment properties? Oh, well, I know that. I mean, we, y'all finance. We do. And, homes for me. And here, just, just talking in general, yeah. a lot of people who live in a house now— um, maybe in their 50s and are saying, just like you, well, I live in New York, I live in New Jersey, and I want to get a house in Florida because I'm going to retire down there. I'm going to buy it as an investment property now, and I'm going to live in it. Yeah, I get a lot of those calls. Yeah, Or I want to buy a house in Georgia or South Carolina, 
um, but mainly Florida, it seems lately. Yeah. And I want to buy it as an investment property because the population numbers are supposed to grow in Florida ridiculously. Absolutely. I think ridiculously. Yes. And so they see the value um, from an investment perspective. They know the rates are going up. And so they're like, well, I know investment property rates are a little bit higher. I know you have to put down more, but how does that work? But we can talk about that maybe on another time. Yeah, no, we definitely got to talk about that. I mean, we, we got about four more minutes on this show. What are the key things that to have an investment property you need to have in place? Like, if what are just the key, like, give us, like, three things. You need to have these questions answered or these three documents um, if you're looking for an investment property. Well, it's a little different than okay. if you're buying your primary residence. Right. Um, you have to have... 20% down, okay. typically, at least. At least. And sometimes the math lately, because of um, a couple of things with the economy and pricing, it makes even more sense to have a little bit more down. Okay. That's just the way it works out, but at least 20%. Additionally, um, you have to have money in reserve yep. in case stuff goes wrong. Absolutely. That's the requirement of the program, yep. but more importantly... Once you're a landlord, is different. Yeah. Because when something goes wrong, you got to fix it. Right, right, right. Can't play around. Right. You need to have good credit. Yeah. Buying a, an investment property with bad credit is... Ain't, ain't going to happen. It can happen, but it's no fun. Mm. And the rate is is costly. You can do it, but it's it's costly. And um, um, it's... What's What else? I mean, it's costly. <laughs> it's not cheap. Like it, it can it be, it's, cheap. it's a lot easier to buy a, a primary residence in terms of the amount of money. You amount of money, yeah, yeah. And yeah. to qualify, you have to you have to be able to afford your current house and that and that new house and got to have reserves. Yeah, I mean, you get to use the rental income. You do. Yeah, that's the thing. But not all properties cash flow perfectly. Perfectly in this world. Ah, man, listen, y'all, I wish we had a two-hour show because we we could definitely dive into that. I mean, we could, we could definitely dive into that. And um, I, I've been getting a lot of questions about, hey, Anthony, should I buy in this market? Yes, you should, if you are in a financial position to do so. And I told you, you know, for me, when it comes to a financial position, what I teach here at the table is I want you to be consumer debt-free. I want you to have at least a funded, fully funded emergency fund on top of um, that's not your down payment. So if you're going to put down, you know, I, I say 10 to 20 percent so you can create that margin and get close to no PMI as much as possible. Um, but if you do put down 5 percent, at least have three to six months inside of your, your mortgage um, and then just really have a vision in place. Like, OK, what's the purpose? Why do we have this house? Why do we want this particular house? Um, and, and do some research, you know, I mean, do 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 some research. And I'm going to say this, too. My mentor says it. Dave says this. I actually like 100% upfront, but I'm going to be real with you all. I didn't buy this house cash, uh, but my goal is to pay it off real soon. And that's none of your business on when I do that. Uh, but I, I definitely do want to do that because I'm a huge fan of it. And you guys know I'm a huge fan of 15 years because it's like, hey, um, you can get out of debt quicker. But I don't have a problem with a 30-year mortgage. I think right now um, people need to buy homes, especially minority people. Um, we've we've learned that that is that will help eventually close the wealth gap of of owning. So if you're in a good financial position, 
Um, you don't have a lot in your consumer debt. You're consumer debt free. Yo, give my friends at Churchill Mortgage or whatever your situation is right now. Give them a call. Start the conversation. Uh, get some wisdom. Get some guidance from them. Let them walk you through the process of what you need to do. And you may be closer than what you think already. Uh, and I think a lot of you all actually are. So go to uh, anthonyoneal.com forward slash Church Hill. I'll drop the information in, in the show notes wherever you are in the United States of America. Uh, they will be able to help you all out. I'm going to leave you with today's scripture. Uh, today's scripture is Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 28. And it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down, estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? It goes back to what I just said. Give them a call. Let them know your situation, sit down with them and estimate and plan. My father taught me one thing. He said proper prior planning prevents poor performances. So when you call Churchill, not when you need to buy tomorrow, but hey, we're looking to buy this year. We're looking to buy next year. What are some things that we need to put into place now? Um, you're going to properly priorly plan so you don't have to run into any headaches, any obstacles. That's Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Here's today's affirmation. I am the architect of my life. I build its foundation and choose its contents. You're the architect. Repeat that five times. And we'll see you on the next show. It's your boy, Anthony O'Neill. I drop uh, Churchill's information in show notes. I will also drop prize pool and life insurance. And if you are watching this and you're saying, yo, I already have a mortgage. Um, two quick things. They do do great refis. And so I would definitely check them out if you want to refi your home. Um, and then two as well, make sure you get that home insured, you guys. Make sure you have life insurance and your home's value is included inside of that. And Ethos can help you out with that. Love y'all. Peace out.